Well, good morning, Grace. I am so glad to be with you this morning. My name is Keith. I'm one of the pastors here. And before we jump into the book of James and kind of continue on with the series, I wanted to take just a minute to celebrate what went on this past Friday night with Night to Shine. It was beyond incredible. I was so blessed to be a part of it. And we, we partied hard, and that's why I sound like this. It was, it was a fun night. Um, we'll show you some pictures from the night, and we'll show you a video later on. But we had 76 guests and over 100 volunteers. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, we can give them a round of applause. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Dina and her team did an incredible job. If you, if you saw this place or if you would have seen this place, you wouldn't have even recognized it, right? It was, it was absolutely awesome. It was transformed. And the thing that I really loved about it is not, not only did, did this show that we're a church in our community, but it showed that we're a church for our community. And I was so blessed and honored to be a part of that. And uh, we, we got to crown every single guest as king or queen of the prom. And we got to show them the love of Jesus. And it was awesome. So if you, if you didn't have a chance to be a part of that, I would highly encourage you next year uh, to check that out because it was so cool and, and you won't want to miss that out. So again, thank you so much for all of you that, that spent so much time and energy and effort and money making this place the, the way that it was and being buddies for all of our guests and it was an awesome night. So we wanted to, to celebrate that. In the past few weeks, We've been walking through the book of James, and James is actually one of my favorite books of the Bible, and I love it so much because James is, is like this very practical, just kind of tell you how it is kind of guy, and I like that. I like that because he doesn't beat around the bush with anything. He's just like, hey, this is what you need to do, and this is what you shouldn't do, and so I love that he's down to earth like that. He just kind of gives us some practical stuff and uh, the, the other reason that I love James so much is because he, he seems like one of those guys where he's not going to shy away from conflict, right? If something comes up between you and James, he's probably going to tell you exactly how it is. And I love that. I love that he, he does that kind of stuff. And so we're going to be digging into chapter two in James. So if you have your Bible with you, or if you want to grab the one underneath the seat in front of you, or pull up you version, because we're going to be camping out in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. We're going to kind of look through all of this and, and figure out what James is going to be telling us here. And, and I would encourage you if, you, if you have a Bible, bring it with you for the rest of this series, because you can highlight, you can mark in it, we can, we can kind of dig in and study this together. So if you remember from the first week, Pastor Tim talked about how James is the brother of Jesus. Now James at first was a little bit skeptical, as you would be probably. Like, let's say your, your brother comes up to you or whatever and he's like, hey, I'm, I'm God's son. Are you though? Like, really? And, and we would have probably been a little bit skeptical, but, but then when, when Jesus is killed, and three days later raises from the dead, James is like, okay, I get it. Like, you are the son of Jesus, or you are the son of God. You are the Messiah. And so from that point on is when he's like, you know what? I'm all in. I am all in. I understand how important this is. Right? James understood why the message of Jesus was so important. 
And so James writes this letter to the early church, and, and he's trying to help them understand, you know, what are some practical things that we can do with our faith? And so that's, that's one of the reasons why James is writing this. He's trying to speak some wisdom into the early church. And, and like I said, you can tell he is very, very passionate about this. Right? He is very, very passionate. Now, obviously, I didn't know James personally. But as I was kind of studying and reading and studying about who James was and, and studying through uh, this specific passage of Scripture, there's, there's one group of people that kind of stands out a little bit that James doesn't necessarily love being around. And if I'm going to be honest, I don't love being around these people. And, and if you were honest, you would probably say the same thing. Because if, if we look at this, we, none of us like to be around people who aren't genuine, right? I mean, we all want to be around people who are actually genuine. And so James talks about this a little bit. We, we all want things in our life that are genuine, don't we? I mean, think about this for just a minute. If you, if you buy a leather couch, a genuine leather couch, or maybe you have leather in one of your vehicles, you hope that it's genuine leather. Or if you pay for a genuine diamond ring or a genuine diamond necklace or bracelet, you hope that it's genuine. You hope that the money that you pay for with it is genuine. Right? What about food? For me, uh, the other day I was drinking a juice box. And yes, I'm secure enough to let you know that I was drinking a juice box. And no, it wasn't Jaden's. It was mine. All right? And it's okay. But I, I, I love grape juice, and so I grabbed a, a grape juice juice box. And I, I started tasting it. I'm like, this, this is kind of weird. And so I look at the ingredients, and, and guess what the first ingredient in grape juice is? Apple juice. And I looked at the second one, and it said orange juice. And then it proceeded to list like five other juices before it got to grape juice. That was not genuine grape juice. And it didn't taste like genuine grape juice. Or what about, actually one of, my, one of my favorite things is Oreos. I love Oreo cookies. But you can always tell when it's a fake, can't you? When it's not, like, they're always called like sandwich cookies or like cream cookies or something like that. And it, it's just a lie wrapped in, in foil. They're, they're just not good. But when it, comes, when it comes to people, we can all tell when someone isn't genuine. Right? I mean, we, we all know people who aren't genuine. They say one thing, but then they, they do something completely different. They say that they believe in something, but then they act completely different than what they believe in. Or maybe they, they talk one way to your face, and then you catch word that behind your back, they're, they're talking completely different. And I know it's true when it comes to me and and if you're honest, you're, it's probably true when it comes to you too that sometimes there's areas in our life where we just aren't as genuine as we could be. And not only does that apply to, to people, but it applies to faith as well. And if we're, we're to stop and think about it for just a minute, what's, what's the one reason or one of the biggest reasons why people don't like Christians? They're hypocrites, right? They're not genuine. They, they say that they have this, this, this belief system. They say that they believe one thing, but then everything in their life 
doesn't point that way. Or they, they say that they follow Jesus or, or just, hey, I'm an American, so I'm a Christian. But then everything that they post about on Facebook or Instagram or, or whatever, or everything that they, they say and do doesn't point to the fact that they're actually a follower of Jesus. And listen, listen to what James says about genuine faith, because that's what we're going to be chasing after today, genuine faith. What does that look like? What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Now, James is asking these two questions as kind of like, a, hey, I know the answer, and the answer is kind of hidden in here, but I'm going to ask them anyway. And this is kind of like when you as a parent, you ask your kids a question and you know exactly what the answer to that question is. Or like, it's, it's pretty much like, it's, it's just super obvious. And so you're like, where are you going dressed like that? They know nowhere now. <laughs> or, or you ask this question, well, well, do you really think that was a good idea? Well, obviously not if you ask me the question, right? And so that's, that's, that's kind of what James is getting at here. And so here's, here's the question, the, the big question that we're going to be wrestling with as well. What is the nature of genuine faith in Christ? What does genuine faith actually look like? Because there's so many things in our life that aren't genuine. There's so many things that, that just kind of are there. Or maybe there's, there's part of it that's true and, and part of it that's not. But what is the nature of genuine faith in Christ? Now before we move on, I, I think it's, it's super, super important for me to lay the groundwork for this. Because there's other passages in the Bible that if we don't take a look at, if we don't study this very carefully and, and almost use a scalpel to kind of run through this a little bit, then we're going to notice that there's some things that, that they might contradict themselves a little bit. And so this passage is probably one that you've heard if you've been around church for any length of time. And this is what Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For it is by what? Grace that you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one may boast. So when we, when we, when we kind of compare that verse with verse 14 in James chapter 2, it seems to counter, contradict itself a little bit, right? And so there's something super important that we have to, to realize as we move forward. Paul, in Ephesians 2 Chapter, or chapter 2, 8 through 9, he's saying, this is how you come into a relationship with Jesus. It's nothing that you're doing. It's nothing, no good works are going to help you come into a relationship with Jesus. But, but James is saying, this is how you live out a relationship with Jesus. Right? It, it's so important for us to get that. Paul's saying, hey, this is how you come into a relationship with Jesus. It's by grace, through faith, it's not by anything that you've done. But James is saying, yes, yes, yes. But you also have to do something about your faith. Works without faith lead to us trying to earn our way to God. 
But faith without works lead to hypocrisy. And neither one of those are genuine faith. So we see all throughout Jesus' life, we see all throughout Scripture and, and what James is telling us here, genuine faith requires belief and action. It requires belief and action. And that's the, that's the bottom line. That's what we have to understand as we're moving forward. It's not one or the other. It's both. It's both. Nothing more and nothing less. And like I said, all throughout Jesus' life, we see this, right? That whatever he says that he believes, whatever he proclaims to believe, he actually lives that out. Right? He actually, he actually does something about his belief system. If someone were to look at your life or your actions or your finances, your career, your family, your marriage, your priorities, what would they see? Would they see a person whose works is overflowing out of their relationship with Christ? Or would they see someone who, who doesn't look any different than a non-Christian? And if we're honest, that's a really tough question to ask ourselves. And I'm, I'm just going to be super honest with this for a second because I think we, we need to have this every once in a while. And I know for me that, that I had to have someone do this. They, they had to call out things in my life. And so there has to be times like this. And some of you in here are living hypocritical lives. What you say doesn't line up with how you act. The things that are, that are going on in your life don't line up with, with you proclaiming to be a Christian. You, you, you talk about someone one way and then, then you talk about them behind their back in a, in a completely different way. And for others of you, you're, you're following God and, and, and you're a Christian and, and you believe everything that you say that you believe and, and there's, there's still that one area of your life where God's saying, yes, but I want that. I, I know that I have most of you, but I don't want most of you. I want all of you. I want even that piece of you that you're, you're kind of just like, yeah, but God, I need that. Like, that defines me. That's, that's who I am. But what does it look like to have a genuine faith to say, God, you know what? I'm all in. I'm going to stop kind of living on the fence and, and acting one way at church and acting one way like at my job or, or I'm, going to, I'm going to stop pretending. I'm going to have a genuine faith. What does that look like? And I believe James gives us the answer as he, he kind of walks through these verses. And so we're going to take some time to walk through these, these next verses to realize what James is trying to say to us right here. To have a genuine faith. The first thing is this. Genuine faith moves beyond good intentions. Genuine faith moves beyond good intentions. We, we, we see this super clear in this verse right here. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and, and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action, is dead. He uses some harsh language, right? 
Faith by itself, not accompanied by action, is what? It's dead. There's nothing to it. And when we, when we read that verse, we think to ourselves, well, yeah, like if I saw someone without a shirt or without clothes, or if I saw someone who was super hungry, I'd help them. I'm sure we all would. But what about the things that aren't so obvious? Well, yeah, I, I have good intentions to go to church and to serve, but you don't get it, I'm busy. I, I have good intentions to talk to my coworker about Jesus or, or to invite them to church, but, but what if it's awkward? What if it's weird? Right? I have good intentions to, to stop gossiping, but, but that's what everybody else does. So why not? And, and we get into this where we have these good intentions, but, but we can't let it stop at that. We've all seen good intention played out, right? I mean, think about if you've ever been to a Christmas party or a birthday party or Valentine's Day, which is this Friday, just a reminder, you're welcome. And, and maybe you forget the gift or you forget to actually get them a gift. And you, you go into this whole spiel of like, this is what I was going to get you. It was super nice. And, and you start to explain it, and, and maybe you say something like, well, it's the thought that counts, right? And they're like, well, you know, at least you had good intentions. And good intentions may count when it comes to a gift, but not when it comes to our faith. And James is saying that that's not enough. It's not enough to, to, to think about serving people. It's not enough to, to say that we believe something or that we have good intentions for it. We have to actually put it into action. We have to live it out, which leads me to the second point. The second thing is that genuine faith doesn't let knowledge outweigh obedience. That means when we learn something about God, when we hear him speaking in that still, small voice, we respond. We do whatever he's asking us to do. Listen to what James says in verses 18 and 19. But someone will say to you, I have faith, or you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. When I read this verse, I, I think of the movie Lion King. How many of you have seen Lion King? Okay, good. It's a, it's a classic, right? And I, I think of the hyenas. And when they see Mufasa, which is Simba's dad, they, they kind of shudder, right? They're kind of scared by Mufasa, but, but nothing about them changes. They, they still go back to Scar, and they still act the way that Scar wants them to. You have to understand that even though the demons believe that there is one God and they shudder, their life is not transformed by God. We have to go beyond knowing God and let that knowledge lead to action. And sometimes we get, we get trapped in this cycle of, I want to know more about God. I want to go deeper. I want to, I want to go further. I want to listen to more podcasts. I want to listen to more sermons. But then it stops right there. We have all the knowledge, 
We have everything that we need, but it stops right there. And it has to go from our head and our heart to our hands. We have to actually do something about it. And I've been there. I'm there more often than I would like to admit because I'll read a book or I'll I'll read scripture and think, man, this is so good, I have to tell Emily. And I tell her and, and maybe I even put it as a background on my phone, but then I don't actually do anything about it. I let it just slip right by. And Peter Marshall, uh, he said this, I wonder what would happen if we all, do, we, we all agreed to read one of the Gospels until we come to a place that told us what to do. And then we went out and did it. And only after that, we begin to read again. What would it look like for a community if every time Jesus tells us, hey, go out and care for the least of these, that we actually did it? And we actually maybe even put the Bible down and, and went out and, and made a phone call or we went out and, and served because we're caring for the least of these. Or how would it change our community of believers if we lived out Matthew 18, where it says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. We don't like that, do we? That's hard. That's awkward. That's weird. But what James is saying, hey, go go and put faith, or go and put actions to what you're proclaiming to believe. Go and do what, what Scripture and what Jesus is telling us to do. What if the right answers led to the right lifestyle? What if in, instead of trying to explain away scriptural truths, oh, that was just, you know, then, this is now. We don't do that. What if instead of that, we actually lived out what Jesus commands? The last thing that, that leads to genuine faith, or genuine faith produces a life transformed. There are so many verses all throughout Scripture that that show us this, that remind us of this, that show us when we come into a relationship with Jesus, everything should change. James gives two examples of Abraham and Rahab. And Abraham and Rahab were considered righteous because of being faithful and obeying God. The crazy thing about Abraham and Rahab that they're completely different. Abraham is over on this side and he, he was the father of a great nation. Rahab is over on this side and she's a prostitute. But guess what? They both have genuine faith and God transformed their lives. In 2 Corinthians, Paul reminds us that if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Jesus tells us during the Sermon on the Mount, you will be able to tell a tree by its fruit, right? If it's a good tree, it's going to have good fruit. If it's a bad tree, 
you'll be able to tell. It has bad fruit. A life spent with Jesus should transform you. Now, we're obviously not going to be perfect, but when we spend time with him, the things in our life, the way that we act should be shining Jesus through that. The way that we manage our finances, the way that we run our business, the way that we deal with emotions, the way that we work through, through relational hardships, the way that we serve other people should be radically transformed because of our relationship with the Creator. As, as we kind of wrap up, I, I think it's so important for us to remember that there's not enough, this isn't about just doing good deeds. Because like Paul told us, it's, it's by grace through faith that we're saved. It's nothing that we do. We, we cannot do enough good works to get to heaven. We just can't. But our belief in God shouldn't just be that. It has to include action. It has to be an overflow of your relationship with Jesus. There's a story of a town where all the residents are ducks. Now hang with me for just a second. Every Sunday, the, the ducks, they waddle out of their house down Main Street to their duck church. Everybody comes inside and, and they sit in their own little chair. And the, the duck band comes up. And the duck pastor, he comes up and he says, Ducks, God has given you wings. With wings you can fly. With wings you can mount up and soar like eagles. No walls can confine you. No fences can hold you down. You have wings. God has given you wings and you can fly like birds. All the ducks, they shout amen. And then they waddle home. There's no more time for waddling. Put your faith to work and find a faith that works. Your deeds, they demonstrate the validity of who you are, of your belief in Jesus. A genuine, real faith puts action to what it believes. Let's pray. God, I, I, I am so grateful of who you are, Lord. I, I pray this week for all of us, myself included, God, that we would do something about what we know. That we would, we would put action to our faith. And God, even when we're reading scripture this week and we come to something, God, that we would do it. Lord, I, I pray that we wouldn't just be ducks that waddle home. God, I, I pray that we would mount up and soar on wings like eagles. God, we love you. We're so grateful for who you are and what you've given us. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.